This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we give you the scoop on the latest release of ONTAP and what new features you can expect. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I managed to snag Octavian Tanase to join us. What are you these days, Octavian? You know, I'm the on tap guy. The on tap guy. Okay, fair enough. So uh, if you could tell the audience what you do here at NetApp and how to reach on social media, that'd be great. All right. So you can find me on the social media at, at OCTAV. And I'm responsible for ONTAP engineering and product management. I've been with the company for eight years, and I think most of your audience already know me. Yeah, I would imagine they do. I mean, they see this guy on stage, and they're like, who's that guy? And then everybody's like, oh, that's Octavian. And we're like, yeah, that's Octavian. So I know. It's scary. A little scary. <laughs> scary in person. So I know. Nicest guy in the company. Anyway. Nice, yeah. <laughs> So uh, we're here to talk about ONTAP 9.5, and mainly I brought you in to talk about how we reached 9.5, like what sort of vision we had going into it. And also I want to talk about what our general plans are for future releases and how we're going to approach those. So ONTAP 9.5, uh, it's a, an iteration of the ONTAP uh, innovation. And uh, what we're looking to do, it's uh, something very simple. We are looking to follow up on our vision of you know helping customer modernize their data center, so you know some of you may may be wondering what is a modern data center, 21st century data center, and that is connected to the cloud, and that is a data center that leverages storage class memory, and and flash. It's a data center that is software defined, it's efficient, and it's intelligent. It's self healing, uh, self provisioning, and and so forth. So. Most of the things that we release every six months are in line with that vision. ONTAP 9.5 is all about performance, efficiency, and, and data protection. So if you don't mind, um, I'll probably start with performance. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Let's do that. All right. So uh, one of the things that we wanted to do is enable um, a simplification of uh, enabling data distribution and hydrating a container either at the edge or from the edge into the data center, so we shipped uh, the flex cache technology. The second thing that we've done, we um, we added HA capabilities to the FCMDME technology, something that uh, some of our customers were were waiting for, and we will continue to invest in uh, NVMe over fabrics. We started with Fiber Channel because the protocol was there, and then we're going to go into Ethernet in the future. So, what's substantial about the ANA stuff? Like, you know, what makes us differentiate from the rest of the crew? Well, I think um, one of the things that we, we've done, we, we led the spec development, you know, for ANA, and we, we realized that, you know, multipathing is something that some of the customers are waiting for in order to adopt this technology in the enterprise. So we're first to the market with this capability and continue to be very proud of the work that we're doing to enable the over-the-fabrics, fa- you know, protocols and technology in the modern data center. So that sounds suspiciously like innovation. Yes. And, you know, if you heard me before, that's mostly what I talk about. I think uh, we are a product company and the, the thing that the ingredient that is a leading indicator 
of future success. It's innovation. Probably the the other one that you can think of is uh, making sure that you you can hire and retain you know people that are you know can create people that can get things done. Absolutely. So um, Max Data, Max Data, it's uh, a technology and a solution that we just released, hot off the press. Max Data, it's all about enabling customers to accelerate their applications by leveraging storage class memory in the server. So I, you know, think about this as a piece of software that you deploy on your Linux host that gives you 10x the performance that you would have gotten, let's say, on a uh, exadata type of infrastructure. So Max Data is about performance at the lower cost because you don't have to load up your server with so much memory and you can leverage Intel's Optane you know, technology. Yeah. Now, we are launching this uh, technology in partnership with uh, Lenovo, Cisco, and Intel, and we couldn't be happier to, uh, to enable our customers to, to modernize their data center with the software solution. Yeah, it's good to have strong partnerships with these sorts of things, especially when you're dealing with new technologies. Uh, so I think I'm looking forward to seeing what sort of buzz Max Data generates as it develops. There was a lot of press around that, and uh, we will continue to, to lead in this area. Um, more, more to come. Excellent. So what else we got to, for the ONTAP 9.5 release? All right. So ONTAP 9.5 is also concerned about scale and efficiency. One of the things that we've seen our customers do is uh, deploy data lakes, data lakes powered by the Flexbook technology. Now, one of the things that we're enabling customers to do is to tier those data lakes into an object store target, either on-prem, perhaps storage grid web scale type of destination, or into an S3 target into the cloud, either AWS or Azure. So uh, the Fabric Pool technology enabled on top of Flex Groups is what uh, enables that to, to happen. Yeah, and the Fabric Pool... So you're ready for data protection. I am ready for data protection. I was going to tell you about uh, Sync SnapMeter, um, a, an ability to now really um, deploy your, your containers in a, uh, in a SyncMeter you know, um, topology and, and make sure that you get a zero RPO, zero RTO uh, type of you know, solution. Now, the beauty about the Sync SnapMeter solution is that it can be applied on the existing async snap meter that we've delighted our customers for, for many years. So simplicity in applying in changing a, a policy from a async to a async meter, I think uh, this is a technology that will broad, be broadly be adopted by customers that either deploy SAN or NAS workloads. So the beauty of that is I don't have to rebalance or rebaseline my entire snap mirror. So if I've got this giant snap mirror relationship, I can just set it to be a synchronous relationship as opposed to an async. You got it. There's two modes, right? In the, in the snap mirror sync, aren't you know? There's a, like a relaxed mode and a full mode. Can you kind of touch on why we might want to do either one of those? Well, I, I think what we want to do is give customers you know flexibility and and enable a, a variety of use cases where. Um, you know, for for a period of time, they may be out of uh, you know full sync, but then the re relationship can can recover. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and really, what the full sync does, it allows you to, if a write that can't, if a synchronous snap mirror cannot complete, then the application will stop writing. Essentially, we won't allow I/O. You can set that to relaxed if you would like, where it'll fall back to asynchronous if the synchronous can't work and the writes will still continue. So, you know, you've got some flexibility and choices with synchronous snap mirror. 
Absolutely. So what else we got for data protection? Well, I, I think I left um, I left the, the best uh, you know, for last, and this is about uh, NetApp data availability services. This is a pretty cool technology that it's looking to help customers take their data, take their container, and uh, make that data come to life in the, in the cloud. So we have a very clever technology that enables uh, a snapshot to meet uh, the, a variety of, of uh, services in the hyperscaler clouds. Initially, is deployed on the AWS cloud. And um, what we're doing is uh, replicating the data into an S3 bucket in the, in the AWS cloud. And uh, through some magic, we make that, that data available through um, you know, a catalog and an index that we build on the fly as data being replicated to, uh, to different services like e-discovery or data visualization that either you, know, you can uh, build in the cloud or are already available in the cloud. So I'm guessing that we're looking at cloud as a potential future-facing thing, right? I mean, <laughs> and we've been looking at this well, for a while, uh, right? It's the defining uh, capability of, um, of the modern data center, a data center that uses cloud-connected cloud connected flash. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and I don't want to understate it. I like to, I like to just kind of pretend that you know cloud isn't a big deal, but it is. <laughs> and you know, if you're not if you're not already looking at it, then you're behind. Yeah, most of the data that we've seen is that uh, more than ninety nine percent of the customers either are using the cloud right now or have specific plans on how to use the cloud. So making the um, data manageability, data mobility, data governance simple in this hybrid cloud environment, it's uh, priority number one. So um, this NetApp data availability services piece, is, is this actually a feature in ONTAP or is it something else? It's a feature in ONTAP. It's uh, a capability that uh, you know, can be easily deployed by uh, running a, an agent in the cloud, an application in the cloud. And that application basically connects to, uh, to your on-prem um, deployment, discovers you know, your data, and enables you to either replicate the data to a secondary target on-prem, and then from there in the cloud, in the future, directly um, primary to, to the cloud will also be supported. And uh, the, the cool thing about that is that it uses cloud-native services to, to actually build that, that index and catalog in, in the cloud. Excellent. So what else do we have in ONTAP 9.5 that people might be interested in? Well, I think um, we are maniacally focused on storage efficiency, on, on, on performance. So, you know, besides uh, some of the capabilities that uh, we've, um, we, we've talked about, we always make sure that we tune you know, ONTAP for more performance and enable, you know, customers to still run modern ONTAP on, um, on legacy platforms. Yeah, absolutely. And you can also, you know, leverage ONTAP Select to run it on, you know, whatever platform you like. I mean, we're, and this is going to be the same ONTAP we're running on the FAS and AFS systems as well. Yeah, we, we, we see um, a trend where more data is being created outside of the data center. And we want to make sure that ONTAP is not only available as a service in the cloud, but uh, at the edge on ruggedized devices. And so you might have seen me if you've been at uh, at Insight, you might have seen me with a backup, no, with a with a backpack, um, holding a uh, a small, you know, ruggedized device by Vector Data, and um, you know, 
that's a small mobile data center that enables you to collect data, enables you to um, to then connect to um, you know perhaps the core and you know build analysis on that data, um, replicate your data, and so forth. Yeah, and this is the edge to core to cloud story, and this is something that's vital to things like ONTAP AI, right, or just doing AI and ML uh, workloads. So uh, something that we'll see more of in the future. Yeah, ONTAP AI, it's all about uh, you know enabling data to meet an algorithm that um, then helps customers you know, bring that data to life, transform that data into a 21st century gold. All right, so um, without divulging too much in terms of you know feature sets, What's the future looking like for ONTAP? Well, I think you're going to see us doubling down on uh, on AI and enabling, you know, ONTAP-based solutions to be the premier solutions for machine learning, deep learning, uh, data sets, and, and workloads. Uh, you're going to see us continue to invest in uh, our software-defined capabilities, which, again, enables ONTAP to run not only on our own appliances, but uh, in, in the cloud as well as at the edge, I think we, we are uniquely positioned to enable this data manageability wherever data is being created. I think you're gonna, be, you're gonna see us continue to invest in, um, in security and, and making sure that uh, you know, our customers are not being faced with uh, resume changing events. And you, I think you know what I'm talking about there. I, and, I have no idea uh, what you're talking about. <laughs> I didn't do it. And no, and uh, we're going to continue to in, 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 uh, invest in the flexibility and uh, you know manageability of ONTAP, making it uh, really easy to be consumed via RESTful APIs, uh, via integration with Ansible, and um, you know via state-of-the-art uh, you know tools that um, we we make available through ActiveIQ. So essentially what you're telling me is we're giving customers what they've been asking for. Yes, yes. And then should be no surprise. And in some cases, right, you also want to um, anticipate, you know, trends on behalf of these customers and, and help them adopt these, uh, you know, new technologies in a non-disruptive way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, you know, it's a good business practice to listen to your customers as opposed to just, you know, doing the same old thing over and over again. Absolutely. All right, Octavian, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, again, if you want to reach Octavian on social media, it's at O-C-T-A-V on Twitter. Uh, are you anywhere else, Octavian, LinkedIn, Facebook, MySpace? You know, I am on, on LinkedIn, but you know, Twitter is probably the, the best uh, media for me to, uh, to, to communicate and be influenced. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Octavian. I was also able to get in touch with John Jacob and Skip Shapiro of our NetApp marketing team uh, to give us the more in-depth rundown of what's in ONTAP 9.5 so we can go over the features a little more and talk about some business value in terms of what you can do with those features. So here they are. I'm in the studio here, and I have on the phone Skip Shapiro and John Jacob. Uh, They are with uh, NetApp's product management and marketing group. Uh, So, John Jacob, if you could tell everyone what you do here at NetApp and how to reach you. Hi, uh, I cover ONTAP, product marketing manager for ONTAP, and a great way to reach me is on LinkedIn. All right, and Skip Shapiro, no stranger to the podcast, is also here. Skip. Hey, Justin, it's great to be back. So I recently joined uh, product marketing, and I'm working with John on ONTAP 9. Um, as uh, those of you who have listened before know that uh, you can get to me on my NetApp email, um, skip.shapiro.netapp.com. That's probably the best way to reach me. 
Skip has joined the dark side. You don't know the power of the dark side. <laughs> there are cookies, I hear. All right. Cookies? Cookie. <laughs> have you never seen the shirt? Yeah. <laughs> Join the dark side. We have cookies. <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great shirt. Bagels on Friday. Bagels on Friday. Um, you only have to stand on your heads most of the week. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're here to talk about the latest release of ONTAP, which is ONTAP 9.5. And I brought John in uh, to talk about the kind of the high level marketing messaging that we have going along with ONTAP 9.5. Some of the thought that went into ONTAP 9.5 as how we're going to help people understand where ONTAP is going to help them. So, John, uh, what do we have for us? Yeah, so great way to think about 9.5 is the continuation of all the good things that ONTAP has delivered to our customers over the years here, you know, over 20 years of, of ONTAP great capabilities for our customers. Overall, the key emphasis is we're continuing to help customers maximize the value of their data. And more specifically, we're drilling down a bit more how we help them unify and simplify and accelerate all that data and doing that from edge to core to cloud. Now, with ONTAP, if you think of all the capabilities that it rolls out, a key set of buckets to put those, those capabilities in are that they deliver to our customers unmatched versatility and comprehensive data protection and leading efficiency. Now, other vendors out there might say some similar sounding words or areas, but I think if you look holistically at what ONTAP delivers and all the different angles of that versatility and data protection efficiency, uh, we develop, uh, we deliver the leading package for our customers to really, again, help them maximize the value of their data. Okay. John, why don't you cover a little bit more what versatility um, encompasses? Great. So with that versatility, it's really helping our customers to respond quickly to all the changing business requirements that they have, and not only today, but also being able to respond in the future. And so there are four different ways that we like to think about how we deliver that versatility. So first, there's deployment flexibility. They can deploy any application, whether it's a new or traditional application, and do that across their storage systems or on commodity servers or up in the cloud. And then there's data mobility. So customers can freely move their data between all of their on-premises environments and the cloud providers that they might be leveraging. And then, of course, they need performance as part of that versatility. So they can accelerate critical workloads and do it with industry-leading performance. You know, we put out the benchmarks there to prove that. And then also they need scalability. So whether it's scale up or scale out, be able to do that for capacity and performance and do that without disruption. So then let's jump into the next part with the comprehensive data protection. So of course our customers have to protect their data seamlessly and do that across their hybrid cloud. So not only do they need to protect it, but accelerate the recovery of that data if anything should happen. And then also non-disruptive operations of their data, keeping their data available is critically important. So no disruptions, whether it's a failure or whether they have to do maintenance or whether there's a site disaster. And then they also need, of course, to secure that environment and do that with built-in security, make it straightforward for them. And then they may also have some compliance that they have to wrestle with, you know, meet governance or compliance requirements, and, and that's built into ONTAP2. And then looking at the third category, we talk about that being leading efficiency. And again, it's helping to reduce costs, but also simplify their data management and do that as well across edge, core, and cloud. 
And yes, ONTAP has built in the storage efficiencies. Those are well known and it really helps to minimize all the IT expenses out there and do that with the leading storage efficiency. But there's also an operational angle to it. So fast provisioning, you know, being able to get a business application or DevOps up and running in a matter of minutes, you know, that's important in terms of efficiency as well. Uh, customers are going to want to make space-efficient copies out there and uh, be able to leverage those for their, their operations. And then more and more customers are really interested in tiering to the cloud and doing that seamlessly across their hybrid cloud environment. So again, that all shows you the different angles we have here across the unmatched versatility, comprehensive data protection, and leading efficiency that, again, helps our customers to maximize the value of their data. Okay, so it sounds like we put a lot of thought into ONTAP 9.5 and just ONTAP in general. I mean, we're really listening to what people are having to say in terms of what they need out of the storage uh, system. Yes, and every time we roll out a new version of ONTAP, we look at how we can make certain uh, angles of these three areas even stronger for them and let them have more capabilities and more services. So, Skip, um, we have, you know, every release we have new features, and we do it every six months. We have, you know, a new release every six months, so we want to make sure we have features available quickly. And, you know, what's going to be in this ONTAP release in terms of functionality and feature sets? So let's start with performance. Um, well, let me just, before I do that, there's a couple of things um, in, in the, about the release. We have some brand new capabilities that have never existed before and clustered on tap, um, and in some cases from on tap, uh, even back to seven mode days. And then we have some uh, enhancements to existing features because you know, we're making them better. Uh, from a performance standpoint, uh, focusing on that, um, the number one thing uh, we've got is probably integration with uh, Max Data. So what is Max Data? It's software, something brand new that comes out of the Plexistor um, uh, acquisition that we made a uh, little, not quite two years ago. Uh, and it's file system uh, software that runs at the server level. And uh, what we're supporting with 9.5 is integrating that with all flash file systems behind so you can accelerate in-memory uh, application uh, performance backed up by AFF for the part of the working set or data set that doesn't fit in the um, in-memory file system um, and uh, also provide the, you know, the persistent copy with snapshots on the all-flash system. So running Max data in the server, um, you know, for Linux file systems right now, which is what's supported, uh, provides, you know, a huge uh, improvement in both write performance and in read latency uh, for those applications because we're putting the data much closer to the application and enabling larger working sets than you could uh, generally have with uh, DRAM uh, only in your server. Yeah, we actually covered Max Data in detail on uh, episode 154 about a month ago, uh, but it was kind of officially announced here at Insight, uh, the big release thing. Um, yeah. It's not officially an ONTAP feature, but it does integrate very nicely with ONTAP. Yeah, so what we've done with 9.5 is expand the ecosystem uh, uh, of ONTAP uh, and what it can provide. So Max Data is separate than 9.5, but this integration is kind of key to delivering uh, value to customers. In addition to Max Data, we have a native uh, ONTAP 9.5 uh, performance um, solution called FlexCache. Uh, for those of you who've been working with ONTAP for a long time, you may remember that we had FlexCache with seven mode systems. 
And in fact, we had seven mode appliances, flex cash appliances sitting in front of cluster on tap for a while as well. Uh, now we have native flex cash um, in clustered on tap with 9.5. Uh, with both the uh, use case deployment um, uh, options for this. So the one use case is using it within a cluster to fan out the throughput capability uh, of a single file or a single volume across multiple controllers. Uh, and then the second use case, which is to uh, reduce uh, latency for uh, repetitive reads across um, a WAN so that uh, remote locations can get uh, local uh, latency for the reads that they, they have. So both of those use cases uh, existed when we had seven mode and we've brought them back now with clustered on tap. So with 9.5, this is supported with NFS version three only, uh, but you can look forward in future releases to support for SMB and NFS version four. Uh, no commitment on when those are coming, but those are certainly uh, part of the strategy. Yeah, so this is something that people have been asking for for a while. I see it on the, the work deals a lot. Basically, a, a global namespace that's truly global across multiple sites. I'm able to access data from any site, and it's accelerated, so I'm not having any sort of latency. But I'm also able to to share locks. So, you know, naturally with NFS v3, there isn't a lot of locking involved. But with SMB and NFS v4, when they eventually become supported, we're looking at this fully-fledged feature functionality where people can access data from multiple places. Yeah, and it really helps uh, the collaboration uh, that are you know, key customers like our ASIC uh, um, design customers with their elect, um, electronic design automation, ED, EDA workflows, and the media and CGI um, type customers who they tend to have uh, do collaboration across multiple sites across the country or across the globe even. Uh, so the uh, remote um, read access uh, capability of FlexCache is important. And then for their really high bandwidth um, uh, workloads on a single fire or a single volume, uh, the within cluster uh, application of FlexCache is important as well. So one of the differences is that we don't have to have an independent controller to set up a cache, right? This can all be in cluster. So that was what seven modes you had to have a, se a separate controller altogether. Um, another uh, fair enough. Yeah, so that's good. So we don't have to buy extra stuff. The other thing that is different is that you know previously it was NFS v3 only, and you know that was problematic because you wanted to do other protocols. But you know, and right now it's NFS v3 only. But future releases will have this extra protocol support, so it'll be even more robust than we had in seven mode. Yeah, and that really helps the collaboration that um, the customers who want to use this, uh, you know, want to get out of it because they tend to be not NFS-only shops, right? They, they tend to mix SMB and NFS uh, uh, for their workflows. Absolutely. So as far as performance goes, we also added support for uh, some extra pieces into the MVME over fiber channel in ONTAP 9.5. What were those? Yeah, so MVME over fiber channel uh, certainly provides a significant reduction in latency uh, um, <clears throat> all the way to the server. Uh, what we, uh, we first introduced that with 9.4 um, with single path uh, storage path capability. So there was no storage path failover. Uh, customers had to rely on application failover and having a mirrored copy uh, of the data uh, to have a, um, a uh, resilient uh, deployment. What comes with 9.5 is uh, 
is uh, support for that storage path failover with something called asynchronous namespace access, or ANA. And you can think of that as the NVMe fiber channel equivalent to a Lua uh, with um, the traditional fiber channel uh, capability. Uh, so that's supported uh, initially with uh, SUSE Linux uh, version 15, uh, uh, but we'll see uh, other um, operating system support uh, coming in, you know, between now and the next uh, next release of UNTAP. Um, in addition to the ANA support, uh, we've expanded the uh, operating system support for NVMe over fiber channel without the ANA storage path failover, and that's with uh, Red Hat Linux uh, version 7.6. And you can look forward to, to ANA support for that uh, for Red Hat Linux in a future release uh, of uh, um, RHEL. Um, Newly acquired also, Red Hat. <laughs> uh, yeah, or, or, or IBM RHEL. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, as, as of today. Um, uh, other operating systems and hypervisors that uh, customers are very interested in seeing support for um, ANA and NVMe over fiber channel with our certainly uh, VMware, so ESX, um, and then Windows. Uh, and so those are also in play. Uh, and, you know, in a future podcast, um, uh, we hope to be talking to you about that. Excellent. Any other performance enhancements we added in ONTAP 9.5? I know we do some optimizations on occasion with ONTAP releases. What about ONTAP 9.5? Anything new there? Uh, yeah, so there's some, I'll call it incremental um uh, performance improvements uh, anywhere from you know two to ten percent, depending on the workload and depending on the controller. So it's not so much that we start waving the flag, but customers uh, may experience a, a slight boost in uh, maximum performance uh, capability. Yeah, we'll still appreciate that. Yeah, and and which is always actually remarkable because the first thing we want to do is not have regressions in performance as we add new performance features. Right? And those tend to consume more CPU and more memory. So, you know, that's always a challenge to keep the performance the same while adding functionality. And here we've done that or created, you know, a, a little bit of a boost in performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've actually seen releases get blocked because we hit a regression with performance and we want to make sure we, we knock that out before we have an official release that hits the, hits the customers. Right. You know, we want to give the customers and. It's not new features or performance. Uh, or have to give up some performance. We want to give them the same or better performance and new functionality. Mm -hmm. That sounds like that would be a win-win for everyone. Yes, that's the idea. Yep. So um, tangentially related to performance, and it's kind of related, but I, I bring it up because of the 100 gig Ethernet interfaces, but we added some networking changes into ONTAP 9.5. What sort of things did we add there? Well, we added uh, something called virtual IP, um, which includes a border gate um, protocol. Yeah, I think yep, what yeah, BGP, yep. BGP is. And <clears throat> that enables um, sort of multi-path multi access uh, into our system, so more efficient use of the, your host network. And therefore, you can extract more performance up to the limits of, of the cluster that you've, you've got. You know, the number of nodes and the type of nodes you've got in your cluster. So that's an overall enhancement of the ecosystem performance, I guess is the way I would characterize that. Yeah, and I mean, what I like to pick out of this particular feature functionality is there's two things. One is that, you know, with these 100-gig Ethernet 
uh, interfaces, they can be very expensive. And if you have one that's inactive, you're basically wasting money. So what BGP routing is intending to do in this new network change is to make sure that we don't have inactive lengths so that we can use all of our network ports. Yeah, uh, which, you know, yeah, customers get some maximum value out of what they've spent money on, right? Yep. And then another piece okay. of this is that we are trying to ensure that we can handle layer three networking at our level as opposed to having to add more and more switches into the environment. Uh, so this is trying to eliminate some of that extra network architecture that you need to have. So that'll help you save money there. Okay. I've got one more angle on performance, uh, which relates to ONTAP Select specifically. Oh. Ooh, Select. Let's so, hear that. Um, yeah, so we've got performance. ESX performance has improved um, dramatically in some cases, particularly on writes, because we, we eliminated a essentially a networking um, bottleneck uh, within the server uh, so that we can write more effectively. Um, we we're, we're not bottleneck there anymore. And in, in some cases, we see over 100% uh, improvement in write performance uh, with either hardware-based RAID uh, with 9.5 or software-based RAID. Uh, so that's that's uh, pretty significant. Uh, there's some reads performance enhancements as well. They're they're more modest, uh, but but they but reads have improved as well. Yeah, and I would continue. I would expect to continue to see that kind of performance enhancements happening in every release. I mean, I can I know of some things specifically that are coming in future releases that I can't say right now, but they're going to greatly improve performance overall. While we're on the theme of um, ONTAP Select. Uh, there's something else uh, not performance-related that I think is kind of cool, is there's a new way of licensing uh, on Tap Select. Oh, really? Yeah. So the current capability, you'd have uh, what's called capacity tier licenses. Licenses are tied to a, a on Tap Select node, and they're perpetual licenses. You know, you bought it, and you have it forever. Uh, what's coming with 9.5 is something called capacity pool licensing. So for a specific ONTAP select deployment, uh, you buy a capacity, um, a certain amount of capacity, uh, and it can be deployed uh, across as many nodes as you want. Uh, and therefore, you don't have to decide how many select nodes up front that you're going to need for the license or how much capacity per node, you know, other than you got to fall within the total amount of the capacity on the license that you're buying. Uh, so I think that makes that it increases the flexibility for customers uh, in, in terms of how they uh, deploy select. That's great. The other thing around this is that it's a subscription-based license, so it's it's time limited. So for customers who think they'll need select or not sure how long they're going to need select, um, you buy the subscription and you have this flexibility both in terms of number of nodes and how long you need to own the licenses. So maybe you think you need it only for the next year. Uh, and you're not sure beyond that. Um, customers now have the flexibility to do that. When the license expires, does it self-destruct? Uh, well, not quite, but but uh, you, you can't add capacity and you can't uh, use your select nodes anymore. You have to renew the license. Yeah, I right? would imagine that yeah, you can just renew it and you'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not, not quite as, uh, as destructive as... Uh, <laughs> Mission impossible on tap select. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so I, so I think, you know, I think that's a lot of depl additional deployment flexibility for select, which uh, I think will appeal to a lot of customers. Yeah, and it's needed because Select is growing. I mean, we're 
adding more yeah. nodes, we're adding more capacity. So it's becoming a full-fledged enterprise-ready architecture. Yeah, uh, you know, between that, the performance, the capacity support that we have now, the ways in which you can uh, license it, um, you know, all good good things that uh, enable customers to use Select more broadly. Any other uh, good stuff in Select? Uh, that's those are the two big things that I'm aware of. Um, uh, you, you think? thinking of anything else? <laughs> um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but we did do a select podcast with Peter Skovrup uh, in episode 161. So if we missed anything, check it out in that episode, and I'm sure you'll find some things. <clears throat> okay. Um, All right, what's next, Skip? Well, we can move into the data protection realm. Um, and, uh, you know, the, something that's brand new um, and sort of part of ONTAP, but also separate from ONTAP, it's something we call NetApp Data Availability Services, or because that's a lot of syllables, um, we affectionately shorten it to NDAS. <clears throat> this is a first release of NDAS, which will be quite extensive in its capabilities, but what's in this first release is cloud orchestrated backup. Uh, so have a catalog in the cloud, uh, and then have your um, sort of secondary backup uh, copies uh, in the cloud. So copy, so say backup from a, a primary ONTAP system to a secondary ONTAP system, and then from that secondary system uh, into the cloud. You can create, uh, if you don't already have um, uh, data protection relationships of volumes, primary volumes to secondary volumes, you can create the entire relationship from the cloud, from this, uh, this software, NDAS software in the cloud. Um, uh, which is pretty cool. So you can orchestrate your entire um, uh, uh, backup relationship and DR relationship uh, that way, uh, if that's what you choose to do. Uh, this first implementation we're supporting on Amazon Web Services, uh, and the strategy is to sort of complete uh, a pretty comprehensive set of services on AWS before we expand it to other clouds and maybe even on-premise uh, S3 uh, appliances. Um, the key thing that's different about this compared to other um, cloud backup uh, solutions that uh, you may be thinking of is this S3 bucket uh, contains the metadata as well as uh, snapshots uh, from, from the volumes, and that makes the volume data available uh, for application use directly from the cloud. Not supporting it just yet, but that's part of the strategy uh, which you can do this. So this become, the cloud-based data becomes portable uh, um, and you can expand um, your environment for using this data. Yeah, with these catalogs, it makes searching a lot easier, a lot faster. You can find things you know, with the S3 searching as opposed to trying to crawl the file system. Yeah, it gives you, while it's in AWS, it's, it's you know, for those who are familiar with doing Google uh, search in Google, it's as simple as that. Very easy and quick to find uh, the restore copy that you want. Yeah, and this you can all. Restore LUNs, files, or entire volumes. Yeah, and this all resides on an ONTAP 9.5 system. So when you upgrade your, your DR site, right, you don't have to even upgrade your source because we can operate SnapMirror in between releases. So your source could be 9.3 if you want. Uh, so 9.5 right. is your destination, and you upgrade it, and you get an NDAS proxy, and then you get copy to cloud APIs, which is going to help us copy all that data to those S3 buckets. 
That's right. Your target system, um, so that secondary, that first uh, secondary copy, that system has to be running 9.5, but the source system can be running 9.1 or 9.3 or 9.4 uh, for that matter. That sounds an awful lot like a data fabric. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> uh, well, it certainly is a very strong thread we've added to the data fabric. Absolutely. Data anywhere, in multiple places, any way you want it. Right. And, right. You know, and that's what the data fabric's all about. Yep. You know, giving the customers the flexibility to put the data where it belongs, you know, best suits their needs, and be able to change their decision uh, when the needs change. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we got some more data protection out there in 9.5. Uh, it seems like 9.5 is a pretty strong release in general for data protection. Uh, what do we have uh, there? It is. We have something um, that's new, uh, but also old. Uh, something new, will. something and used, something borrowed. <laughs> so something, yeah, Absolutely. that's correct. Yeah, yeah it's like a wedding. <laughs> um, uh, something also that our customers, many customers have been requesting um, on clustered on tap for a number of years, and that's synchronous replication. Uh, so we're introducing SnapMirror Synchronous. So this allows customers to do synchronous replication and um, uh, provide zero data loss uh, upon failure of the primary system. They can fail over to their secondary system and know that uh, there's no data loss there. <clears throat> so this is a different implementation from the synchronous replication capability that we had on seven mode, um, if you want to go, go back to that. But it is volume-based and it's logical, logically based as well. So it's taking advantage of uh, what we've done in uh, clustered on tap with logical replication. Um, uh, from a licensing standpoint, this is an add-on license. So you have to have a SnapMirror uh, license and then a SnapMirror synchronous license to take advantage of this synchronous replication. Um, and it's capacity-based, but only on the capacity of the volumes that are being um, replicated uh, from the cluster. Um, it's also, um, yeah, so that's uh, uh, initially what uh, the protocols we're supporting are fiber channel iSCSI and NFS version 3, uh, but you can look forward to uh, more protocols um, in a future release, hopefully the next release of ONTAP. Mm -hmm. So that would be things like NFS version 4 and SMB. Yeah, I actually, um, spoke, terms, I actually spoke to Chris Winter about that, and I was asking about the technical reasons why we didn't get NFS and SMB, and, and he said it wasn't anything technical. It was just we didn't have enough time to test it thoroughly for 9.5. So it was pretty much yeah, ready. It's just you know, testing it. Yeah, it, it's a resource thing, and the most important um, protocols to support up front were the ones that customers use to have you know, business-critical applications where they want to use synchronous replication. So those tend to be over NFS version 3 and, and the block protocols, right? <clears throat> um, in terms of distance, because that would be a common question, uh, it depends on your network connectivity. Uh, but the key thing is that the round trip uh, time uh, for acknowledgement, uh, right acknowledgement, is 10 milliseconds. Uh, so assuming you have an application that can tolerate uh, that kind of uh, round trip time, um, then you can go out to whatever distance uh, will support that. Um, there's also uh, a common question is, how many volumes can you synchronously replicate uh, from a um, HA pair or from a node? 
uh, and that varies based on the type of controller. So for all flash fast has 80 uh, volumes uh, per node, so 160 per HA pair. That's, uh, I think, a pretty sizable number. For FAS, it's half as many, so 40 per, per node. And for ONTAP Select, right now it's 20. Okay. Um, source and destination volumes can be uh, a fabric pool aggregate on a fabric pool aggregate. Uh, right now, only flex falls are supported with synchronous replication, but the flex group volumes are planned for the future. Yeah, and there are uh, two modes for this, right? So there's a full synchronous and a relaxed synchronous, and this gives us different functionality. So um, tell us a little bit about yeah. full synchronous. Yeah, so that we're actually calling strict synchronous, <clears throat> and as the name implies, uh, that says that we always have the same copy of data on the primary and secondary. So if there's connectivity lost between the source volume and the destination volume, application rights to the source volume stop. Right? Um, so that's, that's important for maybe uh, database log files where you want to make sure you can recover completely um, at any point in time. Uh, the other mode, which is optional, is called, just called synchronous. Um, and you can think of it as a relaxed mode. And what happens there is if the connectivity between the source and destination volumes is lost, application rights to the source continue. When the connection is reestablished, there's an automatic resync or catch up uh, on the destination volume, and you're back to um, the situation you want. So um, only in the case of a double failure, primary system is lost when you've already had connectivity lost between the primary and secondary site, are you going to experience uh, some data loss if you have to fail over to your secondary site? So what about SVMDR support? Does this offer that as well, or is that coming in a future release? That's coming in a future release. So we want to be able to do synchronous replication from an entire um, storage virtual machine, provided it's got, you know, no more volumes than we can support synchronous replication of. Yeah, and I mean, you can be granular with the SVMDR. You don't have to do all the volumes in the SVM. Yeah, I guess some could be asynchronous, replicated, or not replicated. But uh, yeah, that's on a that's something on the list for a future release. So that leads me to my next question: If we have SVMDR in a future release, and this can fail over automatically and have an instant copy of our data on the other side, what is this? How is this different than MetroCluster? Well. Um, that, that's a good question. I think there's some, the failover mechanisms are, are slightly different. Um, and, you know, Metro Cluster is a more, it's a coarser granularity, right? It's all volumes in an aggregate are mirrored or not mirrored. Uh, with synchronous, uh, snap mirror synchronous, you have the uh, choice of per volume replication. So, um, you know, more granularity um, in that regard. That's one key difference. So another key difference, I'm going to answer my own question because I like to, I like to ask the hard questions. <laughs> so uh, it also is an HA pair in a metro cluster, right? This snap mirror synchronous is not an HA pair. So if we have a storage failover event or a site event, it will automatically fail over because it can't detect a heartbeat. Whereas with snap mirror synchronous, we kind of have to either have some sort of manual intervention to kick that off or we you know, have some sort of process in place. So there's a little more to do for failovers of snap mirror synchronous. Yeah, it, it's not as automatic. Right, and there, so that gives you more granular use cases, right? So maybe if I wanted this type of synchronous replication but didn't necessarily need a metro cluster, 
I could use this. Yeah, and we have many customers, you know, some of whom are using Metroclutter today, who would, I think, rather use um, synchronous, uh, snapware synchronous. It, it more closely aligns with uh, what their needs are and certainly somewhat simpler to deploy. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll have a, a more in-depth SnapMirror synchronous episode. And, and actually, actually, with most of these features, we're going to have longer episodes that go into more detail with some of the technical developers and that sort of thing. But I did call out the metric cluster piece. So let's go into that. Like, that's, that's some new stuff in there as well for ONTAP 9.5. What do we have there for metric cluster over IP? Yeah, a, a couple of uh, significant enhancements. Uh, one is we've added more platforms, which we support uh, metric cluster over IP. So we, we first introduced MetroCluster over IP with ONTAP 9.3 on the A700 and FAS9000. We added the A800 with 9.4, and now with 9.5, we're, we're adding the A300 and FAS8200. So now we've pushed support for MetroCluster over IP down to the mid-range FAS and AFF systems. That's great. So that helps customers, um, you know, uh, budget better and how they deploy Metro Cluster. So it opens up the opportunity for uh, more customers to deploy this. And in fact, a four node Metro Cluster over IP uh, deployment with the A300 or FAS8200 now costs about the same as a two node fiber channel Metro Cluster deployment on those systems. So basically, you can get better protection. Um, with for the same price with, with those systems by moving to MetroCluster over IP. Or the same protection at half the price. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, something like that. Yeah, math, whatever. Well, um, well, it's not quite that, though, because four-node MetroCluster IP is, is the minimum configuration. We do not have two-node oh, uh, MetroCluster over IP. Gotcha. So. so, no, you can't do that. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it does, you know, it's a simpler, MetroCluster IP is a simpler deployment. You don't need uh, SaaS to fiber channel bridges. Um, you, you know, you can, you can do this over a, a 40 gig. Well, in this case, it's, it's really over 25 gig uh, Ethernet uh, connections. We're still supported with 100 gig switch switches, but with 25 gig um, connections uh, between the, the two sites. Um, and, you know, so you're, you're not having to deploy the flex, uh, fiber channel switches and the complexity that comes with those. Yeah, and in addition, so to, the, in addition to the mid-range systems, uh, you can also do an ONTAP select instance if, instance if you want to have an entry-level system. So you can actually do software-defined ONTAP with uh, Metro Cluster over IP, and you'll get a shorter distance overall, but you get to use it. Uh, that's correct, and that's actually, we introduced that with uh, 9.4, as I recall. Uh, so, but, but that is an option that's available. The second enhancement for Metro Cluster over IP and 9.5 is we've increased the distance. So in the first two releases, we were limited to 100 kilometers distance because, you know, that, that was a, I'll call it a qualification resources bandwidth issue. With uh, 9.5, we now go to up to 700 kilometers. Again, if you're uh, application can withstand the round trip uh, time, right acknowledgement time of 10 milliseconds. So, um, 700 kilometer distance is more than double what we support with MetroCluster over fiber channel. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, when I did my initial ONTAP Insight presentation, I was uh, 
looking at my slides and I was presenting them. And then I heard later on that we went from 300 to 700. So I had to make an adjustment. But yeah, definitely awesome that we get double, almost double what we or more than double than what we were getting before. Yeah. So that's another reason to consider Metrical Server IP for those customers who've traditionally looked at Metrical Server Fiber Channel as their solution. That's right. So um, with data protection in mind, uh, we also came up with some more SnapLock features. So what did we get with SnapLock? Well, I think the most significant thing with SnapLock has to do with SnapLock compliance. So uh, up until 9.5, the only replication supported with, with um, SnapLock compliance was the physical replication. Um, you know, that was great from a performance standpoint, but left SnapLock compliance a little bit behind, you know, what we're doing with, with other deployments, uh, where we really encourage customers to go to logical replication and combine Snap uh, Vault and Snap Mirror uh, capability uh, with a single um, uh, copy, uh, destination copy, um, uh, by doing both of those things. But the, the big, so we're now what we're supporting is logical replication or XDP snap mirror uh, with SnapLock uh, compliance. Uh, and the big benefit there is much simpler um, recovery uh, after failover. Uh, with, uh, with physical replication, customers needed to have uh, additional incremental copies of volumes uh, and um, go through extra work to, to resync. Uh, the primary and secondary after a failover. Uh, they don't have all those issues now with uh, logical replication. So customers can do regular DR testing with their SnapLock compliance volumes, and if they actually do have a failover, um, they'll be able to recover more quickly and with a lot less hassle. So we also added some improvements with 7-mode transition tool in SnapLock. What was that? Um, you know, I'm not 100% up to, up to speed on that, but I think, again, we're able to use uh, better replication in that regard. Sounds right. like you know more about it than I, I do. I got the slide so. in front of me. So. Okay. So uh, with 7-mode transition tool uh, with SnapLock, you can actually have auditable proof that we've done critical compliance data being migrated completely. So we basically are proving that we have uh, honored compliance with our migration. Yeah, and, of course, the compliance customers are kind of – Think that's important. <laughs> yeah, you would you would think that would be important, right? And then we've also increased the number of snapshots, right? So um, nine top nine four, we were giving you one thousand twenty three snapshots for flex falls. We've extended that into snap lock as well. Ah, very good. All right, Skip. All right. What other data protection stuff we got for us in ONTAP nine five? I know that's a lot. Oh, uh, wait a minute. there's an SVMDR thing in here. <laughs> uh yeah. So we've added SVMDR uh, capability with Metro Cluster. Um, uh, so customers can have sort of a, a, a secondary way of, of recovering um, with their master cluster environment. Uh, and I think that's something that uh, uh, you may want to go into more depth in in another webcast because I really don't have a lot of detail uh, about it. At the moment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's just basically, you know, you get to do SVMDR with Metroculture. So it's basically double secret protection for your, for your data center, <laughs> right? Not yeah. only can you fail over with a Metroculture, you can use a DR replication to another site and have another Metroculture that does the same thing. So it's just more protection overall. So, yeah, um, indeed. So we, I think we covered all the data protection stuff. Now let's talk about storage efficiency enhancements. What do we have available to us in ONTAP 9.5? Um, so the number one thing I'd like to talk about is the integration of Flex Group and Fabric Pool. Uh, 
So now you can have flex group volumes that uh, span fabric pool aggregates. So this allows um, customers who've wanted to take advantage of fabric pool in particular, but had volumes that were larger than 100 terabytes, can now you know, put that data in a flex group volume and still do the tiering. Uh, so that's pretty cool. So I think that's important for, again, our EDA customers and uh, even our um, content generation customers who've got lots of data, uh, but data that ages and don't want to keep it all on uh, high-performance media can, can tear it off automatically with a fabric pool. Yeah, and one of the use cases I'm hearing people bring up a lot is using something like an AFF as a gateway of sorts. So they basically write their hot data to this gateway, and then when it becomes cold, it ages out. So they don't have to buy a bunch of flash just to honor their workloads. They can just buy a little bit of flash, and that acts as their, their workload, hot workload stuff. And then it tears off to cold data to object somewhere, either S3 in the cloud or S3 on-prem. So that's a pretty interesting use case that people have been mentioning. Yeah, Fabric Pool is sort of the ideal solution for data that's hot for a relatively short period of time. And after that, it's pretty cold right? because all the hot data is kept on the SSDs and then... ONTAP takes care of automatically tearing off um, the blocks when, when they got cold, when they are cold, no longer needed. <clears throat> um, another fabric pool uh, enhancement uh, in 9.5 um, has to do with um, encryption. So uh, prior to 9.5, you had a choice um, of doing NVE encryption on the source and the performance tier. Uh, or NSE, so physical drives, uh, but you're always relying on uh, encryption at the cloud tier uh, that's native there, either in the cloud uh, from the service providers we support or encryption on storage grid web scale. Uh, with 9.5, uh, if you're using uh, NetApp volume encryption on the performance tier, you can continue to use the same keys uh, for the data that's on the cloud tier. So it's a single key for your, all your volume data, regardless of where the blocks reside, which tier they're on. Um, and for our really security-conscious customers, uh, that was important. Uh, and if we don't already have it, we're close to getting uh, FIPS uh, 140-2 Level 1 um, <clears throat> validation uh, for this spanning the tiers. So, again, our security-conscious customers were very interested in having a single key that they own uh, that protects all their data at rest. Awesome. So um, uh, what other efficiency stuff do we have? Well, a, a couple more things on Fabric Pool, which falls into kind of our efficiency story. Um, uh, one is new object store options. So in addition to having AWS and Azure Blob as your cloud, uh, your capacity tier options, we've added IBM Cloud Object Storage. Um, both the uh, public cloud version of that, which is soft layer, and private cloud with the CleverSafe appliances. Uh, we've had a number of customers who've been using uh, one or one of those uh, solutions, at least I know the CleverSafe solution, uh, under PVR, and uh, so now we've qualified that so it's a standard offering. Um, <clears throat> for customers um, in our uh, USPS segment, the, um, you know, the, the, the public uh, arena, uh, we have Amazon Commercial Cloud Services. So that's accessible to government agencies that have access to the AWS marketplace 
that's uh, really part of the U.S. intelligence community. You don't have to be uh, U.S. intelligence necessarily to get access to that. There are, I think, uh, uh, federal government agencies that are not intelligence related and maybe even some state governments that have access because um, this is enhanced security cloud. So those are two new um, cloud object storage options. Uh, and then the, the last enhancement to Fabric Pool is an adjustable policy for how full the performance tier is. Um, prior to 9.5, your answer was 50% full. That's when steering, tiering started off the performance tier. But we've had many customers who wanted the tiering to start sooner. Also uh, be able to dial down that threshold, and now they can do that with 9.5. You can also dial it up if that's what you want to do. So more flexibility in how you use Fabric Pool. Excellent. So it sounds like a lot of good stuff with Fabric Pool in 9.5. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, other storage efficiency, well, so those are efficiency enhancements. Storage efficiency uh, specifically, uh, we've got a number of enhancements. Uh, one is with logical space uh, reporting. Uh, so we've had many service providers uh, and even um, private cloud uh, managers within enterprises who'd like to charge uh, their clients based on the amount of data that's stored and not the amount of physical capacity that's consumed. And now they'll be able to do that with 9.5. We'll report out to their clients uh, the, the data that they're actually storing uh, and therefore can be charged for that, uh, even though they're maybe consuming half or less of that, uh, that space. Um, and this is enforced at the volume level. So that's one enhancement. Uh, again, our service provider customers have been eager for that capability. We've also got some enhancements to uh, compression, specifically adaptive compression on AFS systems. So uh, prior to 9.5, uh, adaptive compression would only be applied if the data was compressible uh, by two to one or more. Uh, so if you had data, say, that was 25% compressible, uh, no compression would be done and you wouldn't realize any space savings. Uh, we've taken that limit off in 9.5. So if the data is compressible at all, Compression will compress it, uh, and then you have the chance of getting space savings if compaction can take some of those uh, incrementally compressed uh, groups and combine them together such that we use less physical space. So going back to that 25% compressible, uh, compressible data case, if I have two 8K groups that can be compressed down to 6K, uh, and they're written at the same time, I can store them on a total of 12K instead of 16K of, of physical storage. And you get 25% space savings from your 25% compressible data. Uh, in addition, we've removed uh, the compression group header uh, um, from the equation, and that buys us about 10 to 15% uh, more uh, space savings uh, as well, particularly for database um, applications. And we've reflected that in the uh, typical savings that you would see when doing sizings with, um, with Fusion, uh, the Fusion tool, for example. You'll see 9.5 uh, space savings are higher for, for relational databases and for MongoDB in particular 
um, as well. Uh, MongoDB, the improvement comes from actually using 32K compression group size instead of 8K, um, because that's the way the data is uh, typically written in MongoDB. So we can do compression uh, compression group sizes via the application uh, management tool within System Manager, right? Right. So that's where you get those larger compression group sizes is using uh, the application provisioning um, functionality within System Manager. So when you do that, Oracle Archives use a larger compression group size uh, than 8K. They use 32K. SQL Server overall, the volumes will use 16K compression groups, and MongoDB, as I mentioned, uses 32K. Uh, so. Uh, that's the way we'd recommend uh, you using uh, or provisioning uh, your volumes for Oracle SQL Server and MongoDB um, if you want to realize uh, additional compression space savings. Excellent. Any other storage efficiency enhancements you got in, uh, on top 9.5? Not that we don't have enough here, but... <laughs> um, that's, that's what I've got in my uh, quiver of, uh, of an, uh, feature enhancements. Okay. So what about... Um... Let's see, so that was storage efficiency. What about the QoS enhancements? What do we have there? Yeah, so QoS, we've done uh, sort of an incremental improvement, which is mostly directed at uh, service provider environments. Uh, so with AFF systems, we've had um, QoS minimum support, and that was based on allocated storage. So whatever volume size uh, was allocated, that's how many uh, terabytes or IOPS per terabyte you would get. So it'd be a fixed amount for a minimum, uh, which is the minimum is really uh, what uh, um, appears, I think, in, in QoS or in a NetApp service level manager is the expected um, uh, value for your IOPS throughput. Um, so we've, uh, we've now added a um, uh, used uh, capability there. Uh, so you can uh, get increasing IOPS per terabyte as you store more data in that volume. So it, it's graduated just like the maximum is. You, so you have that option. Um, and therefore, our user, our service providers can charge uh, based on that. Right? And the customers pay less, uh, you know, depending on, uh, um, you know, what their, uh, what their capacity, their volume is, or the, actually sort of the, the actual data in the, in, in the volume. Um, the other thing is we've um, uh, added the ability to um, do QoS uh, based on um, a fixed uh, I/O size. Instead of uh, a mix, you can you can specify the I/O size, which really then uh, is charging you based on megabytes per second instead of IOPS. Okay, that's uh, excellent. So that's, yeah, it's a new that's a new functionality that hasn't been there before. Right. Cool. So that gives us a lot more flexibility with QoS and a little more control over what we can do with it. Yeah. Customers, you know, have, can um, uh, sort of customize the way they want to use QoS uh, to a greater degree if they choose to. All right. Um, so we've covered a lot here. Um, anything else that you can think of that might be excellent to cover? Or, I mean, I, I have some things that I have in mind, so I want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, these are the ones we've highlighted um, in, in the way we've been uh, marketing on 9.5, but feel free to add uh, some of the other incremental changes that we've made in 
All right, so um, one thing I want to cover is flex group volume. So we did add fabric pool support for flex group volume. And one of the other heavy hitters that we added for flex groups was the quota enforcement functionality. So previously, you could basically set up a monitoring quota and you could notify people when they were running out of space, but there wasn't much you could do besides that. So quota enforcement allows us to set either user quotas or Q-tree quotas or volume level quotas uh, and, and avoid situations where you're over-allocating your space as a user. So uh, that's one thing in flex group volumes. Another thing that we've added is uh, something called TCP black hole detection. So this is a supportability feature. Um, basically, in prior ONTAP releases, we'd have performance cases come in. And basically, the, the symptom was things are slow. Uh, and that was problematic because it's hard to figure out what's slow. I mean, <laughs> you know. Uh, and with TCP black hole detection, what we were finding was that MTU size mismatches were the cause of some of this slowness, and they're very hard to detect because those MTU mismatches could happen anywhere in the network, not necessarily on the ONTAP system, so you'd be chasing your tail for days or weeks just trying to fix that problem. ONTAP now has the ability to detect these things coming in and notify you that there's a mismatch out there, and it will actually allow that MTU size that's larger to make it through without causing a performance issue. So that's a pretty cool new feature, I think. Good. So, yeah. Um, you reminded me there's a couple more flex group enhancements. I don't know if that's something you want to talk about. Yeah, let's go for it, man. I was Yeah, those are the um, highlights, but let's see, let's see what you got. Yeah, so I had uh, uh, Q-tree level usage statistics. So now you can get uh, more granular uh, reporting on the, uh, on the usage, you know, IOPS for Q-tree. Um, and uh, a second thing is uh, sort of expanded the – Best practice domain for data protection, so we can expand it how large a flex group can be uh, according to flex, uh, best practices. So maximum capacity size of uh, 20 petabytes, I think now. We say, you know, we've done the testing and say, yeah, go for it uh, according to our best practices. And along with that is support for more member volumes uh, per flex group uh, for replication and more volumes per node. Um, and uh, more volumes uh, across multiple flex group volumes uh, on a cluster. Yeah, previously in ONTAP, if you wanted to have a snap mirror with a flex group, you were limited to 32 members per flex group, which is a roughly three petabytes. Um, if you extend the volumes out to 100 terabytes, the member volumes rather, um, we listed that limit to 200 per flex group volume. And then for the cluster itself, there's no actual limit other than what's already determined by FlexFalls. So you're basically the same level as FlexFalls in terms of that. As far as 20 petabytes go, I mean, we've always been able to extend beyond that. There's never been a limit for that. It's just we tested and qualified a 10-node cluster, and, you know, that's what we had. Um, that said, your physical capacity is going to be the limiting factor with a flex group and how big it can get, as well as the number of volumes you can have per node. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, customers who've, uh, who are deploying or want to deploy very large flex group uh, environments on a cluster can now do that with confidence, um, on data from a data protection standpoint, that we've done testing on those very large deployment absolutely scenarios. John, you got anything else for yeah. us? No, you've covered lots of great features we've rolled out here, and again, it's getting back to what we do for customers with ONTAP. It's all about versatility, data protection, and efficiency. So, uh, lots of good info this morning to absolutely uh, cover this material. Morning for you. Yes. <laughs> well, not really morning anymore. It's past yeah. lunchtime for you guys, but that's right. All right. Um, anything else you want to add, Skip? I don't think so. Other than I want to encourage customers to take uh, and the field, you know, to really 
have the field encourage their customers to take a, a look at 9.5, and if they're running 9.1 or 9.3, you know, I, I think 9.5 is an excellent uh, release for them to upgrade to. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, like that too, that in this rollout of 9.5, I've had a chance to talk to a lot of customers, and they were really psyched to hear about what's going on with FlexCache, with especially SnapMirror Synchronous, uh, Metro Cluster IP, uh, Fabric Pool. They're really excited about all they can do with the cloud with uh, NetApp and with ONTAP. So um, they're all pumped about 9.5 and all the goodness that ONTAP delivers for them. Now, keep in mind that you know when you listen to this podcast, it might not already be on the support site. We announced it in Insight. It's not officially available for download yet, but that should be in the next few weeks. Yeah, Just, get ready. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Have a party, an ONTAP release party. Yeah. <laughs> we will. <laughs> Excellent. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Again, if you want to reach Skip or John Jacob, uh, you can reach them through LinkedIn or via email. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Octavian Tanase, Skip Shapiro, John Jacob, and myself for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.